This podcast contains adult language. Starting now. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of All the World's a Cage, the podcast that delves deep into Nicolas Cage's unscrupulous filmography, one movie at a time. But this isn't just a podcast, folks. It's a con. It's an old-fashioned three-card Monty, a veritable jam auction. It's a real solid gold pigeon drop. Spanish Prisoner is another one from the website I looked at. And this job's got it all, baby. Cans of tuna and Ziploc bags. Fucking Sam Rockwell. Shit, fucking Sam Rockwell. Give me that shit. Yes. And a Ridley Scott movie from before he started to get kind of, you know. I mean, he's all right now. Um, so, so take your shoes off on the carpet, please, and join us. We watched the 2003 crime drama Matchstick Men, starring Nick Cage as Roy Waller, an OCD adult con man who reconnects with his 14-year-old daughter. Uh, I'm your co-host, Josh. I'm your co-host, Sean. And I'm your co-host, Jeff. All right. Back in the saddle, boys. Here we are, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm so aggressive. Uh, We need to give a quick disclaimer before we say anything about this movie. If you have not seen this movie, I personally thought it was pretty good. And if you have it spoiled for you, you won't enjoy it. So that's a that's our disclaimer right now, because we're going to spoil like the whole movie just because that's how we normally do that's it. The format so if you have any show. trepidation about that, please go watch the movie and then come back and listen to us. Um, but if you don't care, welcome aboard. So just right off the bat, had any of you guys seen this movie before? Oh, absolutely not. No, I had not seen this one before. Yeah, me neither, actually. Yeah, I I, I didn't know what, exactly what I thought this movie was going to be, but I did not think it was going to be this. I was picturing, like, um, I mean, yeah, it's kind of Ocean's Eleven-y, but it wasn't as Ocean's Eleven-y as I thought it was going to be, if that makes sense. Written by the guy who wrote Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah, shit. it shows. It really yeah. does. Or the guys, the brothers. Yeah, it it shows. Like, I just thought, like, okay, heist, it's like a heist movie. They're going to, like, do a a con. But then almost the entire movie was just, like, a relationship between, like, a daughter and the father. And I was just like, oh, so she's definitely not his kid, right? Like, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) let's get into this. Yeah. How did you guys... So I feel like at some point in my life I somebody had spoiled this movie for me or maybe I was just like really on guard for the con you know what I mean like when you when you start reading like a mystery thriller or something and you're always trying to figure out who who the killer is mm-hmm. same thing with this I was like this is a con movie so there's always a meta con right there's like a big con going on that you don't realize and about 25 minutes in I was like that's not his real daughter. This is a hundred percent a con. 
and the everybody is in on it. Well, right? la dee da. <laughs> I guess you guys are both so much smarter than I am because I got absolutely ball busted by this movie. Really? Yeah, they hook, line, and sinker made me feel so stupid. That's awesome, though. I, I mean, that's it, so cool. It, it made it a really enjoyable experience. I think, like, when he comes out of the fake. Uh, hospital room the fact that i was like blown away by that revelation like yeah yeah, look you know maybe maybe that makes me stupid you know so be it (laughs) you know but it definitely made it more like i thought this movie was awesome and i think if i would have figured out 20 minutes into it what was happening it, it wouldn't have been as enjoyable I mean, no, you're totally right. Like, I feel like I did kind of ruin the movie for myself mm-hmm. by being so guarded about it and figuring it out, like, right away. Um, I think I would have enjoyed the movie more if it, the twist at the end had, like, blown me away. I think somebody had spoiled that there was a twist or something for me. Um, uh, I mean, it's a con movie, right? Like, two con men right. enter a movie it's going to be a twist like it's like yeah whether it started at the beginning or before it started like it doesn't matter there's going to be a twist it's it i also it just it felt like when she was they were in the bank looking at the safety deposit box and like he lets her come with and then he gives her her a form to be like here she can get in there mm. if she wants i was like Mm-hmm. Yo, that seems mm-hmm. so sketch. So sketch. That that might have given too much away. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, this did come out in 2003. Yeah. What? So that was before like a bunch of the heist mm-hmm. movies that we've seen and like been trained and by. And I was thinking about that when we were watching the like little making of Matchstick Men, whatever, Tricks of the Trade, whatever the fucking thing's called. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, and this isn't behind the scenes. It's just like when they were in the strip club. So, sorry, the peppermint rhino. Um, yeah, I and spearmint rhino. Spearmint. Like I, I don't know. It's some sort of mint and some sort of animal with a horn. You know. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I don't give a shit. It's the point. Is like <laughs> it's they. They said something about how, well, all the strippers are going to be fully clothed because this is a PG-13 movie. And I was like, oh, there it is. Oh, man, maybe that's what the age demographic I should have been to see this movie, because it would have blown my fucking socks off if that was the case. I'm just a jaded adult now. So I was like, well, to be fair, I've also never seen Ocean's Eleven. So it's pretty good. All right. Yeah, it's got a good cast. I mean. It's, you know, yeah. like, let me put it this way. If when if you enjoy watching Brad Pitt eat, you, you know, you'll like Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> then I it, probably won't yeah. like Ocean's if, Eleven. If when George Clooney like winks at you, you just like come a little in your pants. You'll you'll, you'll like Ocean's Eleven. Uh, um, Andy Garcia does something right. He's uh, one of them. He's one of them. I think he's not. I think he's who they con. Holy shit, we gotta actually talk about the right movie here. Guys. Um You caught me. Okay. <laughs> you caught me uh, icon. Oh. So just overall, did you guys like this movie? Not really, no. Oh, Jeff? Gosh. That's a 
thumbs down from Sean. I I liked this movie. Hmm. And, and and again, I I will never know if I'm giving these movies like an accurate assessment at this point because at this point the amount of like just smashing our forehead against the brick wall of Nicolas Cage's filmography, like I I really don't know if I'm being objective anymore. You know what I mean? I don't think there is any way to be objective anymore. Like our our compasses are broken. Hmm. I, 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 you know what I mean? I, I thought Nick Cage did a pretty awesome job at like, you know, acting pretty manic and having to like, you know, check locks three times in a row and all that stuff. Yeah. But it was kind of from scene to scene. It kind of changed uh, his hmm. like how many times he was doing it like. If it was the door, it was like three times, but he didn't do it to every door. Um, you know, how could you survive uh, going through your life just yeah. doing that to every door? I mean. Right. I mean, maybe it's just his house and his office. Yeah, or something. but I mean, it's OCD like it doesn't have to play by the real world. rules. Also, the amount of cigarettes he smoked and everybody would comment oh, on so how, how his house, movie. how his house would smell like, oh, it just smells like like Lysol in here and like, like bleach. And I'm like, no, it no, it would smell like fucking cigarettes, yeah, dude. I, and I, like, I've lived in a house where people smoked cigarettes inside yeah. and it does not <laughs> smell like anything but cigarettes ever again. No, I, every time I see that in movies, I'm like, did the entire earth just used to fucking stink like cigarettes? <laughs> like every Walmart and every airplane and every doctor's office all just like reeked like an ashtray. Yeah, well, especially movie this fucking theaters, movie. Movie theaters is the one that's Ugh. crazy to me. Airplanes, yeah. hospitals. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but at least. Not, okay. Not I'm, in air, the mid 2000s. Is but bad too. And yeah. basically anything where you're just seated for long periods of time, you're not like moving around, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Ugh. Well, in case you haven't seen this movie before, here's the <laughs> gist. Nick Cage. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to tell you what the huge spoiler is. So if you're if you're looking for the off ramp, this is probably it. I already did it. Um, I already said it. though. Oh, did you already <laughs> yeah. say it? I don't remember. Oh, okay. um, so here's the gist of the movie. Nick Cage plays uh, a con man named Roy, uh, who is in business with Sam Rockwell, who is Frank, his like partner. And they just do kind of low grade cons on people. They specify that they don't do long cons. But Frank convinces him, Nick Cage, to participate in a long con with this wealthy businessman that he knows. But there's a wrinkle, which is that Nick's 14 year old daughter has now made contact with him again for the first time, right? You know, he left her mom when she was pregnant. And so he has to kind of deal with getting to know his daughter, who's kind of like rebellious and he doesn't know how to handle it, while also trying to pull off this massive con. But then, <laughs> and here it is, it turns out that she's not actually his daughter. It's actually a con being played on him by Sam Rockwell, his partner. And uh, they just take all of his money and leave him with nothing. And then um, a year later, we find out that he's moved on from being a con artist and is now just like a guy who says yeah, and, and moved on from being OCD, apparently. Yeah, which is good yeah, for him. Totally normal, dude. But then, you know, the uh, fake therapist also had said that 
that was because like you're probably just manifesting your guilt yeah um and which is like a i guess a good insight for a fake therapist i don't know i was i was actually gonna say that i was like well actually his psychiatrist said that and then i was like wait no that guy was fucking in on it like he's not a psychiatrist he's just some guy literally everyone was in on it literally everybody Except yeah. for the woman at the supermarket. Well, and his uh, ex-wife. Because, and his ex-wife. Because if you, if you just, if you just like called her at any point, and yeah, he tried once. He tried once to, to call her, but yeah, R- really big yeah. oversight on Sam Rockwell's part to not cut her in on it. You know, just oh, you, yeah. you just you just give her 10k to be like, okay, if Nick Cage calls you and asks about your daughter. You just got to be like, yeah, make sure she's home for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you remember that shitty guy who you dated 14 years ago? Yeah, well, do you want to fuck him over and also get like 10 grand? Well, here we go. Let's talk about the principal cast here. What did you guys think of Allison Lohman as his daughter? Awesome. Yeah, she was great. She was so good. Spectacular. 23, I think, when they made the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Playing a very convincing 14 year old Mm -hmm. or, you know, teenager. As they said, and we'll talk a bit more about this in the behind the scenes section, but she actually pretended to be 14 during her audition uh, and then only revealed to Ridley Scott that she was like 22 at the time afterwards. And that was why he gave her the role on the spot, because he believed her. Hmm. Damn. Yep. That was in the behind the scenes. Save yeah. that juicy bits for. Uh, right. Right. I got to save it. We, we, go we got a whole segment for that. Yeah, <clears throat> I know. I always wanted to get that one out there. No, I, I, I think it is important to, you know, her performance so much of like what they're doing with her character is her ability to pull off this believable 14 year old and, and not just the age difference, but the, you know, dad of it all, the like estranged father, like she really sells that performance mm-hmm. uh, uh of being like this daughter that he didn't know about. I think she did such a good job that if the movie had been written without the twist and she just had been his daughter, I would be like, I would believe it. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how well she was acting. Although, I mean, there were a couple of times when I was watching it where I was like, she's not acting like a 14 year old. She's acting like a, like an eight year old, but it's because he has never like had kids and probably has really limited experience with them. So he probably like, doesn't know the difference. You know what I mean? Like he probably would believe that she's actually 14. Yeah. yeah. All, all kids are basically the same to him. Well, exactly. What, yeah. I made you eggs. Um, now I'll have ice cream. When did they make, stop making like Ben and Jerry's in like a, like a gallon. Tub? I know. I was so jealous of that. She's just that small. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? There's no, no she's way just that super she's that tiny. small. She would be she'd be <laughs> the size just... of an imp. Like I know I understand that children are smaller than adults, but like she would be like she'd be like a foot tall. It's all like Lord of the Rings, like she's on like soapboxes. <laughs> yeah, they had to specifically it's, it's all... 
manufacture the oversized Ben and Jerry's pint to make her appear tiny. Yeah, it's, hold, it's all forced perspective stuff. Hold this bracelet and act like it's a ring. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, what about Sam Rockwell? Oh, he was great. Swaggering yeah. weirdo throwing like bits of food everywhere. Like <laughs> I fucking lo- I love Sam. Like Sam Rockwell is easy top three actors for me. Like I have rarely like sought out a movie just because he's been in it. But whenever I do see him pop up, I'm like, fucking Sam Rockwell. He's like when you go to the deli and you get like a little pickle with your sandwich. Like I know I never bought a jar of pickles, but every time I get one, I'm like, I fucking love these things. Oh shit. A little Sam Rockwell pickle to go with my nice, uh, you know, galaxy quest sandwich that I just bought. (laughs) He's yeah. just like, he's uh, just I'll, like, I'll take the number 14, uh, Francis McNorman and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And, <laughs> well, I guess I'm I will sorry. take a pickle with that. I'm sorry. What type of sandwich is that? The Francis McNorman three billboards. Hmm. Well, three billboards. let's see. I guess okay. it'd be something that's a triple decker. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. something with a middle bun, probably hmm. corned beef. I don't know why, but that seems like a real Francis McDormand meat. Well, mm. that'd be I feel like it's got to be like if it's three billboards, those billboards have to be like either three layers of the same meat or like maybe two different, like three mm. or three different layers. Of, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Wanna, some some, some sort of triple club combo. Yeah. Ugh, damn, this is making me hungry. But I just uh, I love Sam Rockwell because I feel like he's like more so than any other actor. He's just like weirdly timeless. Like you could you could pluck Sam Rockwell out of now and drop him in like on the set of Hollywood Squares in like 1965 and he'd be he'd just like kill it. You know what I mean? Yeah, he'd be like the center square every time. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I, I loved him as Bob Fosse. That was cool. That was cool. cool. <laughs> he has that very like kind of immortal face. <laughs> yeah i actually think that uh in general this movie did a good job of because this is almost 20 years old now i thought that the wardrobe and the language that they use and everything they they i don't know if it was you know the, an intentionally done thing or whatever but they did a good job of avoid avoiding the like vernacular of the early 2000s like nothing in this movie really felt that dated to me yeah i really didn't like I can't think of anything in this movie that really stood out to me as being like, um, not anachronistic, but you know what I mean? Like dated, um, Mm -hmm. house phones (laughs) and everybody, (laughs) there's multiple scenes where someone's leaving a message on an answering machine and somebody picks the phone up. Other than that, I think it's good. Yeah. 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 What did you guys think of Nick Cage? Well, we have a whole segment for that, but just let's touch on it quick. Yeah. All of the little, flourishes of like you know him being like ocd and suffering ticks. like i yeah, yeah ticks, ticks that's it yeah um yeah he's i thought they were really well done um but yeah it's like he spends a whole week just cleaning his apartment and then <laughs> sam rockwell just comes in slopping a burger all over the place <laughs> yeah just leave, leaving a trail of mcdonald's lettuce in his wake great <laughs> made me it. laugh very uh loved it oh it made me so angry it, that's his like one friend his one friend in the world yeah. except, well i guess not really he doesn't have any friends yeah. but mm. you know allegedly his one friend in the world and he's just like 
what are you doing? Yeah, I'll take my shoes off. Just kidding. I'm going to, like, spit chewed up hamburger all over your floor. Oh, have you been compulsively cleaning? Yeah, it looks like it. Anyway, here's my big, dumb, dirty mouth to spew. Ugh, fucking dick. Yeah, Sam, Sam Rockwell is great, but the character, Frank Mercer, I just wanted to fucking punch so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually want to punch Sam Rockwell's characters, but <laughs> goddamn, he, he is watchable. Mm. Do you guys think you would fall for a con? Maybe, probably. I mean, if it, I 100% would. If it if it was so elaborate, I mean, how couldn't you, you know, unless you just picked up the phone and called the lake mom or whatever. Yeah. Like, well, like, no, I feel like I wouldn't fall for the like, this is your daughter thing. But like the other stuff, like the con they did with the um the exchanging money. Like, I, f- I feel like I'd fall for that kind of thing. I don't know. I just don't think I'd ever put myself in that situation where someone's like, do you want to take your $5,000 and turn it into $7,000? I'd be like, no, man. I've got $5,000. Do you know how many Ninja Scroll DVDs that'll buy? I'll be happy until the end of time. <laughs> how hmm. many t- Ninja Scroll DVDs do you need? Yeah. There's only the one. Well, yeah, but, you know, and other Ninja Scroll quality movies also on TV. Gotcha. (laughs) No, yeah, Ninja Scroll is just a placeholder. You know, it's a it's a Ninja Scroll metaphor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's my favorite con. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ah, the old Ninja Scroll metaphor. Yeah. What was this fucking list of cons that you uh, (laughs) like? Hold on. I got some other ones. I got some other great ones. It, the, hold like on, hold what on. the pa- the Panama Shuffle, or like you know the, the... ripe papaya. <laughs> the old okay. Ripe. I'm gonna I'm gonna name three, and you guys tell me which one I made up. Okay. All <laughs> okay. right. All right. I love this game. All right. Okay. We've got the Shady Goat. We have the Badger Game, <laughs> and we have the Melon Drop. I say the number one was made up. The shady, shady, goat. shady goat, shady goat. Yeah, shady goat does sound pretty shady. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah, it was that one. <laughs> you got to work on your uh, con names. I mean, maybe we'll just work on the con name comes yeah. organically. Mm. I'm just looking at this list and they're like all the classic ones are like the green goods, the tie gems. I love that one. Uh <laughs> the uh fiddle game but then all the new ones are just like fishing fake support call yeah rental scams like come on guys can't you like where's the pet where's the pageantry yeah Yeah, where's where's the art of conning someone out of their um i guess necklace or something i don't know what the what are you trying to steal like bonds yeah like, at least back in the day, you could say that you got caught by the Poughkeepsie shuffle. And instead, yeah. it's like Poughkeepsie. Now it's just like, ah, some guy in the call center took all my money. Yeah, you're, you're like <laughs> Riverboat Rampage. That sounds like a video game. I don't know. <laughs> I just it sounds like I a d- video game that would be on like an arcade machine in a Walmart where yeah. you go in and it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Damn it. And it's like 
Yeah, it just doesn't work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, don't you guys know that's the classic riverboat rampage? It's where you take an old uh, Turok thing and, uh, you know, you strip it down and put a fresh coat of paint on it, but it, it doesn't work anymore. And you just get people to dump quarters into it over time. Damn. They're like, damn it, it's broken. Make like eight bucks a week. See, that's what they call. That's a long con. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> that's a very long con. It's, a, it's an extremely long con. I don't know. I yeah, I'd probably fall for a fucking Yeah, I, I would definitely oh, yeah. fall for I feel a like I'm probably greedy enough to be like, ooh, you got it. All right. As, all right. It, as soon as I have something valuable enough that someone would want to con me out of it, like, yes, absolutely. Or I like I'm just like I'm just socially pliable enough. Like I know that I am like if there was ever a situation where there was like the tiniest ounce of pressure put on me socially i would just be like oh i don't okay well i don't all right okay yeah like sure that yeah i'll sign we're all as gullible we can agree that we're all as gullible as um you know dwight's nurse or whatever oh (laughs) yeah she's she's a real recurring character what's her name (laughs) i don't remember Uh, i also didn't look it up yeah she was in (laughs) she was also the uh sheriff in uh Oh, yeah, Willie's Wonderland. Willie's Wonderland. Yes, she was. She's worked with Nick Cage before, many a time. All right, that's yeah, a Beth, fun. Beth that's Grant. a fun look. Beth Grant. Beth Grant. There it is. Uh, we gotta watch. We gotta make a cross reference list and see if we can mm-hmm. track down any more Beth Grant hits. Yeah, you know, um, I I like the idea of that because one thing that I thought that this doing this podcast was gonna bring into my life was an excuse to transform my garage into some sort of like uh you know red string connected to a bunch of push pins and various bulletin boards like type of situation and we haven't really you know gotten that deep into anything yet but i would like to mm-hmm. i i want to i want to buy and use red string <laughs> mm. yep <laughs> so i feel like we have to watch national treasure again mm. mm-hmm yeah, you have to watch National Treasure again, but like memento style, like backwards. Yeah. And, and then it tells you where the Declaration of Independence is. Mm. Spoiler alert, probably Washington, D.C. and somewhere important. Mm. But anyways, con, cons. Uh, this uh, this movie was a con. It was a con of my yeah. goddamn time. One of the, yeah. So you didn't like this, Sean. Let's. Yeah, yeah. I did yeah. not care for this movie. Explain. Right from the gate. From the gate. The like sliding like font of like the opening credits pissed me off. I did not care for it. Wow. <laughs> I thought it looked tacky and dumb. I'm oh, sorry. Boy. I'm harsh on this. I, I yeah. just did not care for it. Probably because like it, it mirrored or I mean, of course, the DVD menu was made after the movie. But oh, oh, that I think it frustrated me there. And then it was like this throughout the whole movie. Oh, this sucks, too. I didn't care for that. I didn't care for that at all. So basically, you're saying there were some graphic design elements to this movie that you did not care for, and they immediately made you have a crazy axe to grind against the entire experience. That's what you're saying. I mean, it didn't help. Mm. I mean, I get it. I've seen Avatar. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. And then like (laughs) there was like no xenomorphs. There, how, any, I mean, his daughter was not his daughter, but not, also not a robot. And I was like, oh, then can we t- 
can we talk about Ridley Scott? Like, what happened, man? <laughs> okay, here's the here is here's what I learned from the behind the scenes uh, documentary. Man, just fucking chews cigars through. Like he he goes through oh, cigars yeah. like Pac Man goes through pellets. It oh, is yeah. wild. Oh yeah, the man <laughs> loves a cigar. I know. I I like a good cigar too, but it's just come on. That is. I mean, you gotta. Like, I kept thinking throughout this movie, it was like, God, everybody must smell like fucking ashtray, and this is gross. Yeah. And then I watched the behind the scenes of this. Everyone did smell like an ashtray. Yeah. They were smoking cigars throughout the entire movie. Yeah, they're smoking cigars while Nick Cage was getting his like wardrobe fitting, and it's just like, dude, those are union rentals. Like, you can't be blowing <laughs> smoke all over those. That's so eh, disrespectful. I'm sure a bunch of other people have. Did you guys yeah. know that the reason there's four characters in this movie that smoke and they are Nick, Frank, sorry, I'll use their character names, Roy, sure. Frank. Yep. Yep. No, I'll use their actor names. Nick Cage, yes, Sam Rockwell, say, Allison Lohman, <laughs> and then the guy they con. Those four yeah. people smoke and it's because they're all con artists. It's like a, yeah. a little behind the scenes detail that the um, Ridley Scott put in. Well, but then did that like psych was the psychiatrist guy not in on it then? he was totally in on it dude he spoke to pipe he's the one that gets the he gets the password oh he did so they, smoke a pipe yeah. yeah you know what and you know what it was for me that like did the whole turn it cuts to the psychiatrist one time and he's, he's like smoking a pipe and playing chess by yeah himself. i was like i was like <laughs> this motherfucker is a con artist yeah playing chess by himself by also, himself also okay did you anybody catch what what happened to his previous doctor? Yeah, he skipped town. <laughs> he skipped town. <laughs> yeah. What a con man thing to do. Like, of course, the con <laughs> man goes to a con doctor. Like, yeah, to get his pills for his con disease. I don't know. Is, That's one thing. Which was just like supplements. So it's movie. like, you, yeah, you find out you've been taking a placebo and you're like, well, I did think I was better with out yeah or with these pills so mind over matter i guess yeah, like <laughs> that's not really generally how mental illness works though mm -hmm. is it no i don't know it it's does not in books and movies but it was probably uh, part of the con just to make his his ocd be untreated so that he would yeah. be more he'd be more like on edge and susceptible yeah, yeah. i guess huh. that makes sense but I think they should have given like, him like caffeine pills. Oh, like he's just fucking him up. Okay. Yeah, that's what that I would have done. Good. Yeah. Yeah. But hmm. yeah, what happened to fucking Ridley Scott? Like this dude used to be awesome until pretty much this movie. And then it really all goes downhill. I don't know, man. Did a lot of TV I, I like The Martian. That. I just watched The Martian I mean, recently. Yeah, the I, th I thought it was I thought it was good. Yeah. I guess. I mean, it's mostly the movies that like he writes. That but are did it just mm. did? But did Martian deserve best comedy? Did it win best comedy? Oh, I think it did. Are you? No, it didn't. Yeah, probably not. What, what do I know? Are you? I don't know. Wait a minute. What are you I conning know? me right now? Uh, maybe. I don't actually remember. Maybe. Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy? Wow. Hmm. Huh. Best so 
not exactly an Oscar, but pretty close. I mean, do they have Oscar for best comedy? (sighs) Well, this far in a podcast about movies, (laughs) that question came up. (laughs) Uh, uh, One of you ask a question. (laughs) Okay, like uh, I always ask him, you guys ask him like about about matchstick men. Yeah, you, I mean, you know the thing that I always do? You guys do it. You guys do uh, it. Throwing out. Yeah, okay. Um, You've heard me I ask guess, a million questions. Like, come on. Uh, no, you're the podcast dad, and we're the podcast <laughs> children, and you shepherd us into the funny yeah. land where jokes come from. Oh, you're my you're my two no. 14-year-old con men podcast daughters. No, no, no. You can't, you can't just put... No, you, you guys ever have that dream where you're in the backseat of a car, but you're, like, steering for some reason, and it's like, you can't reach the steering wheel, but somehow you're still touching it? That's what you're doing. That's, do- that's just what you're how doing I drive, Jeff. Right now. That's what you're doing that's to me, telling me drives. to be the question answer. <laughs> he got a special car made just for him. He's got two golf clubs tied to his ankles so he can reach the steering or he can reach the pedals. Yeah. Yeah. I tried uh, stacking a bunch of um, uh, phone books together, but it was too heavy. It just kept mm-hmm. going and, and stopping. <laughs> yeah. I used to get in a lot of car accidents. Uh, okay. Uh, so I, just, I was also like um, the, okay. So he's a, uh, did anybody notice like how they had a pool and never use it? Like, yeah, he just had it just so it would like be a calming, like blue thing in the backyard that occasionally he would like grab mm-hmm. the leaves out of and then yeah. put down yeah. the garbage disposal. Yeah, and, that was weird. And she even makes reference multiple times to swimming. Like if if you're going to get wet, you might as well go swimming. Well, yeah. And OK, so well, he says that to her. It, it's kind of weird right? and out or, of character for him to have the swimming pool, oh, yeah. I, I feel like. But then yeah. it, it would it would kind of make sense if it was going to be a set piece that they were going to use. With her later, you know, when she oh, comes in and just upends his life, you know, right. Like, yeah. Or maybe during the fight in his house later. Sure, yeah, a guy gets shot and falls into the pool or something like that. Exactly, okay, I, yeah. I, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. A- am I stupid? Because when I was watching this movie, I thought about stuff where I was like, is this a plot hole? And I was like, mm, I don't know, maybe it's not a plot hole. Like, okay, so when uh, Bruce McGill shows up at the house and he's like got face busted Sam Rockwell with him. And he's like, here's how I found you. Your daughter. She was at the airport. She mm-hmm. was on a security camera. I have a police friend who told me that she had a record. I found who she is. I found her mom. I called the mom. I got her address. Or I got your address from her. And now here I am. Yeah. And in that moment, I was just like, why is Sam Rockwell there? Uh, then? Yeah. I get what you're saying. Why would the guy go get Sam Rockwell and how would he know? Yeah. How how to find him? how would he how would he have found him? And and like he would in, in that moment. I was like, that seems like a plot hole. But I still was totally <laughs> oblivious to the fact that there was a huge misdirect. Coming. Oh, yeah. 
No, like, I mean, I don't think it makes you stupid any more than I think like a newborn baby calf <laughs> is stupid. Okay. Like Josh. it's just it just hasn't seen enough a whole lot of the world and it's getting its yeah. little calf legs under it and you know. I, but it still has like some sort of, you know, compass like in its brain and it's like you know i i just i watch a lot of movies like this and i watch a lot like i read a lot of like mystery or thriller kind of books you know so like i'm just very guarded as soon as Mm -hmm. i know that there's like kind of a schemey plot i'm always like all right what's the real thing going on what twist are they trying to pull on me so i'm just very on guard about it like i just think so i don't think you're stupid no (laughs) I feel like I'm usually pretty good at detecting twists. Like when I watched uh, Good Night, Mommy, I, I saw that twist coming. Hmm. Um, hmm. Others probably. I can, that's the one example off the top <laughs> of my head. But, but we don't want to name too many because even knowing that there is a twist is kind of a spoiler in itself. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, the twist sure. in the end of Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When it, yeah, when it's revealed it was the boat the whole time. Yeah. Turns out what killed the Titanic was the boat when it sank. No, it was uh it was it was hubris of man. Yeah, you you guys all thought it was the iceberg, but it turns out the driver real had elaborate some gin. Real <laughs> elaborate plot just to kill a uh damn it, that guy, the the sexy guy that drives. You'll get there. <laughs> Later no, yeah, Gabriel. I, I like the sexy guy that drowns. He, He's um, pretty good oh, in some other stuff. Oh man, who's that guy that Quentin Tarantino really wants to kiss? Uma Thurman's feet. <laughs> the N word. Um, so. <laughs> wow. I literally just watched Hateful Eight last night, and I think uh, you might be onto something, bud. Yeah. I think you might be onto something. <laughs> That's a good movie. Mm. So now we come to uh, the part of the show where we talk about how was Nick Cage in that? And it's a segment called How Was Nick Cage in That? And um, so, guys, I put the question forth to you. How was Nick Cage in that? How was Nick Cage in that? I thought that Nick Cage was good in this. I think that he did a good job of maintaining his professionalism in this mm. one and fighting off his more cagey and tendencies because look like you put Nick Cage in a role where you're like, okay, you're playing a character that has like Tourette's like, yeah, yeah, like you know, and yeah, I feel like Nick's inclination is normally to make everything very big and, and over the top. Um, you know, which I, I, I don't mean that as a slight or a negative thing. I think for a lot of his roles, it really works. It gave him a unique edge in the industry, gave his name a lot of like mystique. And that's all well and good. But I was surprised and delighted to see him take like a somewhat, you know, realistic and serious approach to someone suffering from Tourette's and obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. No, yeah, I think honestly, this might be one of the best performances we've seen him give because mm-hmm. like he is he could go way further than he does. Like he he knows exactly kind of where to dial the knob to in this one. Um, And I, I honestly don't think that there's like another actor who really could nail this kind of role to the degree that he does. And I think it's a testament to his ability to just have a lot of range, I guess. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it definitely embodies a lot of range in this. Um, and like, you know, it's it's odd that like, you know, halfway through the movie, it's like his ticks kind of like lessen up or ease up or, you know, just kind of altogether disappear in certain ways. Um, mm-hmm. Like his is a, a tendency for cleaning or cleanliness. I think my favorite part of this or all of the times when like he's just presented with something that he's like, he can't process it for a minute and he's just like, ah, and you can see like gears <laughs> turning in his head. Like when he sees, um, uh, Alison Lohman, his, uh, daughter kill that she's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, when she cracks a beer, just casually mm. and starts drinking it and he's like oh i don't think uh i don't think i should let yeah because he's like figuring out how to be a dad he's like mm-hmm. he's like oh a dad uh dad wouldn't dad wouldn't let you do that i don't think but at the same time he's kind of struggling with like yeah but i'm like a criminal con artist so like yeah I break all the laws all the time, but like she mm. shouldn't because you know what I mean? He's like trying to do mm-hmm. like math in his head. Mm-hmm. How much is yeah. letting her get away? Because also it's like, you know, he's developing this new relationship with, you know, someone who's supposed to be his daughter. So there's also a kind of calculus that goes into it of like, I don't want, you know, because she's like, I like you like I have problems with mom and I like spending time with you. And, you know, it's natural that he would want to like lean into that and be the the cool parent. You know, he wants her to want to spend time with him. So, yeah. Which is why the con is so effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Speak, speak uh, some more, if you will, to the chemistry between Nick Cage and Alison Lohman as the, as they, portray that like father daughter chemistry do you do you think they did a good job on that uh is either of them contributing more than the other or do you think they both oh uh, i think the heat i think they're both bringing the heat especially like you know it's it was very creepy and unsettling at the end when they meet in the carpet store there's still that kind of connection they had yeah. from however long this con was supposed to be going on, right? It mm. seems like a couple days or weeks. Um, but it, like at, this, at the end, it's been a year since that. And he's got like, you know, you don't see it right away, but he's kind of like moved on. He's yeah. pretty much a normal person selling used carpet or something. And then, but still has this like kind of connection with, um, you know, his fake daughter. And it was very weird. Yeah, that part, that was like weird. the one part of the movie where I was like, this is I don't this is weird because, OK, if you haven't seen the movie, the, the scene we're talking about is a year after he gets conned. He's working as a carpet salesman and a guy comes in to buy some carpet and then the guy's girlfriend walks in and it is Allison Lohman, uh, the woman who conned him. And it's really tense at first where they both stare at each other for a minute. And she obviously like didn't know that he was going to be there. And um. And then they kind of talk like her boyfriend goes out to the car for some reason and they talk sort of privately and they have like, like, yeah, like Sean said, like they kind of talk about like the connection that they had and like she calls him dad, but in kind of like a winky way. And I was like, it just felt totally weird because we literally just learned that everything this character said was a lie. And now this scene is supposed to be like 
I think she's supposed to be like sincere, but we were just taught that she's a liar. So like, it was kind of hard to take it, take what she was saying at face value. Yeah, especially because the note that he gets left, you know, the denouement of the con, if you will, <laughs> is provided by Sam Rockwell. You know, it's not I feel like that ending would have landed better if it would have been like she's the one that lets, you know, writes the note. She it's her voice that's the delivering the the news like this is what we were doing. I came on to do this con but I, I'm sorry that you got hurt. You know, I, you know, like there's, it, it yeah. just felt weird that it's like after he gets out of the hospital, he's just like sent Sam Rockwell to like take her to safety somewhere. And then she's just gone, you know, yeah. until this ending scene. I don't know. It, it does come across kind of weird. Yeah. Cause oh, we never fucking weird. We never get like a peek behind her curtain. It's always like, like we learn that who she's been pretending to be is not who she actually is. And like, that's it. We never get to see like the real person that she is. And I think if she had been the one to write the note, we would have gotten that. And it would have made mm -hmm. the next part a little bit less jarring. Um, yeah, that was like the one part of the movie that I thought was really weird, but the rest of it I thought was great. I love this movie. Uh, so anyway, now it's time we move on to the hardest question of all questions. If you well, had to... what? Well, hold on now, buddy. Am I wrong? I think I think you're skipping over a little something. Do we do behind the scenes after this? Part? I have not much to say about behind the scenes, but so, I do have. Now it's time that we move on to the hardest question of all questions. Behind the scenes. How do movies get? <laughs> How do you make a made? movie? How do you make one of these things? How do you do that? How do they even get that on the screen? So, well, uh, first, a casting director uh, meets with a. Yeah, Hold even on. the director. Let me write this down. You can watch a whole hour about how location scouting works on the oh. DVD special features. So oh, boring. Suffice it to say, the featurettes did not yield a ton of stuff. Uh, one thing that it did reveal that I found interesting and also infinitely frustrating is that the screenwriters. In particular, one of them, I believe it was Ted Griffin, in the featurette, talks about how he's like, when I got to the end of the book, I just thought, man, it really sucks that that character loses everything. And, and, and that, that made me feel cheated emotionally. So when I went to adapt the screenplay, I really wanted to get rid of the twist, and I wanted to have it be... <laughs> Just a nice father-daughter story. And to that, I say, read another fucking book and then make a movie about a book that you like. Yeah. Like, yeah, you wait, just get to change you. the ending of something and be like, I read, I was going to be a screenwriter. So I read a book and I didn't like that book very much. So I wanted to change some things about it. Fuck you. Fuck you, Ted Griffin. Yeah, just go but, adapt a different, another book that you liked all of all of it and any any book that you enjoyed there's like a million books that haven't been made into movies yet but so to speak <laughs> to what we were just talking about with the one year later like weirdness of that scene uh 
the screenwriters wanted to remove the twist that is a part of the novel, and Ridley Scott convinced them that it needed the twist, that's a crucial element of the plot, and I agree, because otherwise it's really just like a character study without that really much happening in the plot. Yeah. Yeah. And so he convinced them to add it back in, and the one year later sequence is added because the screenwriters were insistent that like it sucks too bad <laughs> to have the to have the protagonist get swindled out of his life's work and I have mean, that just be the ending. Which like boo, have some balls, Hollywood. Just <laughs> just dumpster a protagonist for once, would you? I know. Yeah, I mean, I, and also he's he's like going crazy. Well, not that. You know, OCD is, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, mental yeah. illness or whatever. But it, it, the <laughs> you know sham doctor that he goes to, <laughs> it's like, you know, says it's based in guilt. And how would he know that? I mean, it's kind of yeah. It's know, kind he, of weird that the how, the, how does he the know con that con doctor was correct? Yeah, in his assessment of like, well, actually, once you get a like a straight lace, like good job, and you actually get the courage to hit on that um yeah that cashier that you've been eyeballing for a long time which is uh, yeah yeah like <laughs> yeah which is a what? little a little you'll reductive feel right is right yeah, a little reductive uh, it's like telling people with depression like you just need to jog you know or like get some sunshine the the ideas that movies are constantly peddling is that meeting like a fun beautiful woman is going to like make you not depressed anymore yeah and that's just that's just not the reality of how major depressive disorder works it's a no. problem with your brain chemistry like you can meet someone and still be depressed like yeah you can you can achieve the dream of being a carpet salesman and still have obsessive <laughs> compulsive disorder hey hey mm-hmm. A discount carpet salesman. Sorry, a discount carpet salesman. Oh shit. Um. Uh. Oh, Nick Cage came up with the idea for Roy to dislike uh, swearing, and he came mm. up with it on the fly while they were doing like costume decisions. He just mentioned it to Ridley Scott, and then it, that just made it into the movie, which I liked. I thought it was a good kind of like a way to sort of round him out a little bit because obsessive compulsive stuff is not always just about, um, you have to be clean or you have to do X X number of times, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of different, um, facets to it. So I thought it was kind of nice to get that a little bit more rounded out. Um, Oh, I also, I want to point out that, um, they also talked about how, like what you said, Jeff, how they didn't introduce the twist until they were about to start shooting the movie, which mm-hmm. I loved because it meant that the movie was written as if the twist did not exist. So all of the interactions between, you know, Alison Lohman and Nick Cage uh, in the script are like sincere, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. I think if the twist had been there at the end waiting, that would have informed all of the writing leading up to it. And it would have made that stuff, you know, it probably would have given away the game a little bit more. Yeah, okay. It's like yeah, when you I, really want to when you really want to lie, you have to like believe what you're saying, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think that's a really good way to do it. And and that is the only really other thing I was going to uh say for behind the scenes is I made sure to watch the theatrical trailer for this 
Oh, and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't give it to you. It doesn't tell you. Nice. Because that's my biggest problem with movie trailers is they're constantly just like spoiling major plot elements yeah. of movies. And for a movie like this, I was very curious if that was something that had been let out of the bag. Uh but no, the theatrical trailer made it really seem like it was just focused on this like father daughter, you know, finding your his lost daughter interaction. It's like what the movie is being billed as. So we're still behind the scenes, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go? <laughs> Watching that behind the scenes thing was just like how much about this movie is like talking about oh locations. Like and I'm like, I don't really so give a about shit locations. about so little is a like, you know, they just really want to talk to you about how, like, we had to make this airport out of the, like, you know, out of a stadium, uh, you know, like, front area. And it's like, yeah. I don't, I don't care about that. Give me some juicy goods about, like, you know, when, you know, Nick Cage freaks out or something. But it's like, everybody seemed pretty happy in this, uh, you know, and the, the most fun thing that I saw about behind the scenes was jorts well a lot so, of, many so many fucking jorts. shorts but i think that's just like casting crew kind of people well mm. really just crew uh those gaffers get hot you know hot leg gaffers yeah, yeah. it's hot um, behind I, all that gaff yeah I, yeah. Just, I just i think it's in their union contracts you know and i mean you know you're carrying around like a belt with walkie talkie and three different types of colored duct tape but uh, there's the sound guy okay here's the story uh, sound sound man is like we're shooting in the like parking garage where the guy gets angry and is like you swindled me out of my money and now I'm I'm gonna try and like get in your car and you're gonna try and get away from me <laughs> when Nick Cage was driving around doing that one of the sound guys like got in the trunk to like just like I don't know measure sound yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then it's just like I think to get interior sound of the car. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Get that good um, inside, you know, car sound. But it pissed off one of the like, uh, you know, safety directors or whatever. Which like so he's like, you can't be in there when we're driving around. There is no there is no you cannot be in this car. Like, I mean, you didn't run this by me and I'm upset. And then Nick Cage gets out of the car. And gives this guy sitting in the trunk of a vehicle <laughs> the craziest, like, are you fucking kidding me, eyes? <laughs> like it, is a, most... it is a dour stare. <laughs> we will, we will post that bowl. on the interwebs. It is such a it's good... Uh, and then... And don't waste my time. And then there's a voiceover mm-hmm. of the safety guy being like, and I felt bad because I'm sorry, Dave. I That was mean. <laughs> like, I went <laughs> yeah. too far. But, like, you know what? Like, yeah. He's the safety guy, and, like, they tried to hide a crew member in the trunk of a car during, like, a chase scene. I would be like, yeah, you probably should have fucking told me about that. Especially because, as we know, Nick Nick Cage insists on doing all his own driving stunts because he's an absolute madman. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He loves to drive. He loves to drive. Oh, and the other thing was we got into the post-production part of the... uh, (laughs) um behind the scenes which just (sighs) jeff i just couldn't help myself but think wow how many how many versions of this movie are we going to have you know (laughs) (laughs) like 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I myself look forward to seeing the uh, cut of this movie where there's just a Nick Cage voiceover. You know, he's like, "That's when I knew <laughs> she actually wasn't my daughter, but had just been pretending to be my daughter in order to steal my money out of my weird dog cookie jar." <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke about blade runner blade runner yeah, yeah. Just frank case, was my uh... partner we were con men <laughs> yeah. this is our office uh, replicants <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i just i just oh god the the documentary not worth your time no unless you just want to see how a, a movie gets made but not any particular movie just you know a movie yeah, just like yeah, if you want to know just kind of like how a movie is made, it's it's decent. Yeah, but but not even all elements, just some facets they seemed weirdly preoccupied with, like the yeah. locations thing. Yeah, it's, it's like, a documentary that doesn't have a lot of um I mean, there's some snippets snippets of like, you know, Nick Cage. Did you say snippets? Snippet snippets, you know, little bits. Little bit. Yeah. <laughs> not not even snippets proper. It's just snippets. little snippets. Not, snippets. not snippets. Not biblets. Not flippable. I like biblets, actually. That I one I'm gonna snippets, stick with. those little Twizzler things you get. Man, I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope you anyway, can still get them. Now it's time we move just... on to the hardest question of all questions. Uh if you had to recast the Nicolas Cage role in this movie with any actor or actress from any time period, who would it be and why? I have my answer, so you guys can uh, go ahead if you want. Yeah, uh, I, I can kick us off here. Um, I want the dad con man to be Mark Marin. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I think... Mark Marin. If you were gonna have a Mark Marin in this role, you would kind of need to like reframe wow. the Sam Rockwell character because I think Mark would bring a lot of that. He, you know, he could bring more of the like kind of loose cannon con man energy. So maybe like the partner would need to be the really fastidious one. Yeah, I uh, I think that Mark Marin is someone who I'm. I'm thinking of his performance in Glow. He does a oh, really yeah. good job of like smoking cigarettes. Yeah, he yeah. oh he smokes he smokes <laughs> cigarettes so good. It looks so good when he does it, and uh, he just makes cigarettes sexy again. You know, um, the, that answer fucking floored me. <laughs> Thank you, because it's so good. Holy shit! Okay, all right. Here's mine. Um, I was going to say William H. Macy. Oh, okay. Yes. I think he would be great. I like that very much. Uh, just because, you know, in Fargo, he was pretty good as, I mean, he kind of just like touched on crime in that movie. You know, he wasn't like really directly involved in it, but I think Mm -hmm. that he is a capable enough actor. And I think that he could sell the like level of sincerity that is required to be a con man. You know what I mean? Totally. And yeah. he has going for him that they touch on it in this movie where uh, his fake daughter is like, you don't you don't look like a bad guy. And he says something to the effect of like, well, you you that's what makes me such a good one. You exactly. Know? And I think William, William H. Macy has exactly that like 
trusting like trustable face you know where you see him and you're like this this guy you know he he wouldn't like screw me you know yeah no no yeah he wouldn't wouldn't do anything so So. yeah i think we're all in agreement if william h macy had not gone into acting he would have become he would have been history's greatest con man yeah i mean you asked us earlier if you think that we we would get conned like if a con would work on us and if it was being pulled off by william h macy (laughs) it it would definitely work yeah i would not get conned by fucking sam rockwell as soon as Sam Rockwell was like, hey, I know this guy, I'd be like, fuck you, Sam Rockwell. Like, I look at you with your, like, spread collar in your fucking, like, snakeskin jacket. Like, I don't fucking trust you. I, I, I wouldn't hand Sam Rockwell a $5 bill to go to the gas station <laughs> to buy a Diet Pepsi for me. I would never see that money again. If Oof. Sam Rockwell told me the sky was blue, I would go outside and look. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Sean? I don't know what's the guy's name. He's like Nicholas Sparks or something. You know that guy that okay old timey dude, old timey dude from like uh, I want to say it's like not Nicholas 50s? Sparks. That's the author. Oh, what? No, in that yeah, that's <laughs> totally the author. The author of um what the Notebook. No. Is it no a, no a walk this guy's to remember. <laughs> No, I like this. Let's do this guy. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Sure. No, Kurt Russell. Let's just go with Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. No, I have to know who you met. Who did yeah, you Yeah, what are you no, talking um, about, you psycho? Damn it. He's like an... It's... Oh, we'll get there. Help I'm us so, out. Yeah, he was in a movie. Okay. Okay, that's a good start. So we know he can act. <laughs> yeah. I'm... I'm not really remembering it a lot, but uh, there's something to do with like pancakes and like. You've got to be fucking with us. (laughs) Are you you conning me right now? Is this a con? Pancakes? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to Google movie about pancakes now. Nick Nick Nolte? No, I'm pretty sure his last name is Sparks. I'm pretty sure this is like. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, there's Ned oh, Sparks. My... He did die maybe in 1957, so I don't think that's yeah. who you're talking about. Wait, no, I think that is. Maybe. You said Ned? There's Hal Sparks. He was the guy from uh, Queer as Folk and I think a bunch of VH1s. <laughs> so we're, I don't oh, think we're we getting can... closer. I don't. I, I, this is gonna drive me insane. I have to know who this person is. <laughs> I'm so devastated by this. We were so Sean. You were so, we were so close to the end of this podcast, and you sent us on this wild fucking goose chase. Yeah, no, anything else? Ned anything else? It is fucking Ned Sparks, dude. Like, it's not Sparks. Ned Sparks. Ca- yes, Canadian character actor known for his deadpan expression. Ned Sparks died in 1957. Yes. Dead ass in the ground. That's who you met. Yeah, that dude. <laughs> Just dead yeah. in the cold Canadian ground. No, that is not who's talking say, about. You say living or dead. I fucking said it. Dude. We do say it's... living or dead, and I don't know if any of us have ever. No, like if you've ever, if you've ever <laughs> seen this guy talk, I think he would be great as like a con man. Like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Damn it. And I, that makes me think that during the National Treasure episode, I should have said John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just as well, a, it'd be a nice redemption for him, you know. Was it? Ne- yeah, Ned Sparks. Not, That's my not answer. Him. It is that guy. It is not that guy. Hold on. What are you familiar with him from? <laughs> is, it from ever, is it from. Is it. Is it from him voicing Heckle and Jekyll from 1947 to 1951? Or is it from Bob Clampus' Goofy Groceries? If you could pick a picture of Ned Sparks out of a lineup of two people, I would eat my own ass. I mean, he's a very distinct face. I, you know, I mean... He wasn't even in color movies. <laughs> Ever, dude. I mean, he's very, he was in color movies. He, they made fun of him in Warner Brothers, like Bugs Bunny cartoons. Is that who you, is that actually who you met? Yes. No. <laughs> I don't believe you. Yeah. All right. Now do your, do the other guy. <laughs> oh, oh, Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah okay. I don't think this would be a good fit for him. Yeah. This would be, a, this would be a weird, you know. There was a long stretch of movies where Kurt Russell secretly was just the best answer and we yeah. were just dancing around it, trying to posture how clever we were with our good, clever guy answers. But yeah, I don't think this is one of them. No, 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 no. Anyway, uh, I bought a DVD of Miracle earlier today, which does star Kurt Russell. So I think Dope. it's about time we uh, get saddled up and get this uh, caboose on out of the old station so I can go watch Miracle. Walt Disney's Miracle starring Kurt Russell, a movie about hockey. And yeah. that's been the podcast, folks. All right. Well, oh, that's going to um, do it for us, folks. Um, yeah. And and remember, start that letter writing campaign to Ben and Jerry's to bring back that gallon bucket. Yeah. Now, if you'll oh, excuse yeah, me, I I have to go on YouTube and look up videos of Ned Sparks. Apparently, <laughs> so do you two. All right. Have a good night, y'all. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't worry, this will be short. If you enjoy the podcast and want updates, check us out on Twitter. We're at Atwack Podcast. That's A-T-W-A-C Podcast for All the World's a Cage. Also, review us on iTunes if you use that. Or recommend us to a friend. Well, ask if they like Nick Cage first, and then ask if they like podcasts, and then recommend us. Thanks again.